0: And I want Brother Goff to come. I want him to take his liberty tonight. I want him to preach to me tonight. I am hungry to hear the word of the Lord. Come, Brother Goff, take your liberty. Praise God. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord, everybody. Praise the Lord. Amen. So good to be in God's house—a place of refuge, a place of blessing. Amen. Everything you need, God can take care of. In any service you decide to come and bring that need to Him. He'll take care of it if you present it to him. Amen. God loves to take care of his children. It's a desire of his. He's done it all through time. He's proven it. It's documented in the word of God. And um, I thank God for being a man of his word, a God of his word. We don't have to worry about idols being that way because they cannot even begin to speak back. They have no emotion. They're just rock, wood, whatever it may be. And uh, I thank God that he lives, and he's alive, and he's here with us today. Amen, amen, amen. God has blessed us today. A great word of God from Bishop this morning, and uh, so appreciate what this day has been. I was able to spend some time with my father, and uh, what a great time it was, and enjoyed that. It's always good to spend time with your father on Father's Day. Not always does it happen, and uh, it was an honor for my family and I to be able to do that. Amen. I've asked Sister Goff, if she would, to sing. You may be seated. I've asked her to sing, and I hate to put her on the spot. We didn't get to practice the song, and what's even worse is I'm not going to sing with her, so it's just kind of like her. So I ask you to worship God with her, and I want God to touch us in this service tonight. Amen, amen. God Sing today. I've wrapped my faith around Him. Oh,
1: yes. I know He's more than able, for He's, he's the, God the God I serve. He said it, I believe it. And I'm standing, work, standing on His word. Standing on His word. You, you cannot
0: make me doubt it? God gave me a promise. I've wrapped my faith I around Him. I know He's more than able, able, for He's, he's the God I serve. He said it. I'm standing on his word. Standing on his word. You cannot make me doubt it. Be a promise. I've wrapped my faith around it. I know he's more than able. For he's the God I serve. He said it. I believe it. I'm standing on his word. Hallelujah. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. You are worthy, Savior. I thank you for your word tonight, God. Hallelujah. I thank you for the absolute power of the word of God. The truth that we believe, God, I thank you for it, Master. Hallelujah. 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 Amen. 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 Thank you, Sister Golf. Amen. I am so thankful. We are the truth church. If it wasn't for the word of God, we wouldn't have truth. We would just have man's writings, man's word, but we have the absolute uh, anointed, God-spoken and man written down that God has said, listen, I want you to write this down. That is the Word of God. And we preach from it. We believe it. We glean the Word from it. I'm so thankful that God has given us something to fall back on. We may not be able to see Him, but we can read about Him. We can feel Him. He'll reach down and touch us. We can hear Him speak to us. And then God gives us a message for us to be able to listen to. And God, give us a word. Amen. Help us through whatever trial you're going through. Amen. That's the God I serve. Amen. Amen. Well, I have a message God laid on my heart. If You'll turn with me to the book of Psalms, chapter 150. While you're doing that, I want to say thank you to Bishop for giving me this opportunity. Thank you, Bishop, on Father's Day. Happy Father's Day to you. Amen. It's an honor to be able to stand behind this sacred desk and give honor unto Bishop and all the ministry in this church. Amen. Those that are traveling want to remember them in your prayers this week. God, bring them safely back home. And then right after that, we have a whole slew of young people going to camp uh, next week. And we want God to keep his hand of protection upon them, change their life, strengthen them. I thank God. I know how important it was for me to be in a youth camp, probably wouldn't be standing here today if I didn't have those sermons, those messages, those times of prayer, and you know what, as a young person you can get pretty high and mighty on yourself, but when God puts you in the floor of a tabernacle and I think you go, you gain weight just by getting down there praying with all the dust that jumps on you, and uh, you may have a black suit when you go down, but you have a brown suit when you get up, and uh, snot and tears and Then you want to leave out the tabernacle and go over to concession stand and look cool for all the girls. It ain't going to work. Amen. I thank God for times of refreshing. And I made it through, I think it was two youth camps without the Holy Ghost. And I can promise you, it is not fun. It is not fun. But I thank God that He gave me the precious gift of the Holy Ghost and I could go back and rejoice all those that were run the aisles and rejoicing and getting what they needed in God I was able to do the same amen well, I want to preach from us tonight to us tonight for Psalms chapter 150 starting in verse 1 we all know this probably many of you could quote it but I'll read it praise ye the lord praise god in his sanctuary praise him in the firmament of his power praise him for his mighty acts Praise Him according to His excellent greatness. Praise Him with the sound of the trumpet. Praise Him with the psaltery and harp. Praise Him with the timbrel and dance. And praise Him with string instruments and organs. Praise Him upon the loud cymbals. Praise Him upon the high-sounding cymbals. Let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. Praise ye the Lord. Amen. I want to preach to us tonight, God the giver of life. Amen. If you could lay your Bibles down, let's let's reach out and touch him and ask God to touch us tonight. I give you glory, I give you praise, Master. I lift your name on high, great and mighty you are, hallelujah. I love you, Jesus, I love you, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Amen. Before you see to turn to somebody and shake their hand or wave at them and welcome them to the house of God. I know we're into this service, but some of y'all need to wake up. It's time for the preached word of God, and I want my mind to be on church. Amen, amen, amen. Hallelujah, hallelujah. You may be seated if you'll help me preach tonight. I know a lot of responsibility falls on my shoulders, but I think even more so falls on the saints. Amen, amen, amen. We have a service before us, and I want God to touch. I don't need a response, but I believe God has laid a word through prayer, laid it upon my heart, and I just want to help somebody today. Amen. The Word of God wants to help somebody today. Somebody say amen. Amen. Hallelujah. If you'll give me just a moment, I promise not to be long, but if you'll give me just a few moments to lay a brief foundation, amen, I want God to reach down and minister to somebody's heart tonight. That's what it's all about. I didn't come to be seen or heard, but I came to get an audience with the King, and that's what we have. I don't know about you, but it sure helps me when I'm in my time of prayer. When I take my mind, and I don't even place myself even in this church, but I place myself in the throne room in front of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, and I say, God, I don't deserve this opportunity to come before you, but I've come just as one of your children, and I bow down before you, and I've come to worship you, and that's what helps me get to the places and push through all the junk of life and allows me to come into his presence and to feel his glory and begin to feel his anointing come in through a time of prayers because I push myself even as holy and reverent as the sanctuary is, sometimes you have a trail of things that you drag in with you and you need to start snipping that cord and eventually you get to where it's just you standing there. Instead of all the problems of life that you've drug in. And tonight, I would admonish someone tonight, if you're problematic, you've got the problems of your life plaguing you and you don't know what you're going to do for tomorrow, you're living week to week or even day to day, God is one who can take care of each and every one of your problems tonight if you will just let him. Amen, amen, amen. I want to get into the word of God. God created each of us to be reliant on the gift of the breath that we take. And it is our nature to do this automatically. We do not even need to think about it when it happens, but this is a gift that we take for granted until it is a struggle to breathe. And then every breath is measured and anticipated. When you don't have the gift of breath and you're understanding that you're struggling, you begin to rely upon scientific devices. What is my oxygen level at? How are my breaths being taken? And am I able to sustain this? At what point do I have an emergency on my hands? And you begin to measure each breath. And you begin to look at it saying, do I need to do something about this? But God gave us this innate nature that each and every one of us are breathing as you're sitting here today. And God put it in our natural being that we would respond physically and take breaths. And it is not something that you have to focus on, but it is something that just happens. And none of us can go without breathing. God has created us to be dependent upon the very act of breathing for us to exist. And our physical body is dependent upon it. When we are born as a baby, the first sign of, of the baby is life starting is the heartbeat. And it's relying upon the breaths that a mother will take to fill that bloodstream with oxygen. But there comes a time when that baby has to take its own breaths. And after those breaths are made and it begins to breathe on its own, you'll see everybody around it, and I've been there myself, you then breathe a sigh of relief. When you see that mouth gasp open and lungs begin to get filled and you see the chest fill up and then you hear the sound of that cry of the baby, that's more than just a cry. That is the beginning of that baby's life being filled with oxygen and it's providing its own sustenance. It may not be able to depend upon its own self for many years to come, but it can now breathe on its own. Then we know the birth has taken the right direction. We now have that sigh of relief and that comfort in knowing, okay, we're good. Now other things can happen. As many of us may have our own stories or have those around us that's experienced times of life and We understand the directions that it can go. But we understand that the baby is born. Those breaths show that it can now begin to take this journey in life, begin to grow and mature in its human being, in its personality and in its characteristic traits. You begin to invest in that life. And God is the giver of life. And He gives us the breath of life to each of us here on earth. It's nothing that science has done nothing that physicians have done. There are things that can empower us. You can and be trained to do CPR and you can give somebody back life. But it's because you have that gift of life as well you then breathe breaths into their lungs and begin to give them that life-giving source and give them something that they are lacking The their heart begin to have be filled as CPR is performed. But God does all of this without man's intervention. All of us have this opportunity to breathe in pure, clean air and we can do something with it. Genesis, the book of the Genesis, the very first book of the Bible, shows us that God is the source of breath and that He is the life giver. And in return for this gift, He has a commandment that He wants us to worship Him. We find the very first breaths that we're taking, we find it happen in Genesis chapter 2. We see where man, Adam, was created prior to this, and we'll read some about it. But you'll see creation has already begun to take place here on earth. But in Genesis... Chapter 2 and verse 7, it says, And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. It's interesting when we read this. It wasn't that Adam was lying there, his heart was beating, his eyes open, him looking around, but it wasn't until God breathed upon him and filled his body with the Spirit and gave him the breath of life and began to touch Adam that he became a living soul. And in the beginning of his creation, God spoke animals into existence. The word alone is powerful enough to create life. We see in Genesis chapter 1 and verse 20, And God said, Let the waters bring forth abundantly the moving creature that hath life, and the fowl that may fly above the earth in the open firmament of heaven. And God created great whales and living creature that moveth, which the waters brought forth abundantly after their kind, and every winged fowl after his kind. And God saw that it was good. You see, it's interesting that the word of God states that as uh, creation was becoming and taking place, God merely spoke them into existence and life began to populate and spread here on earth. But he took time because life begins with the breath that God provides. And just like Adam was only the shell of a man until God breathed into him the breath of life, God breathed on him and life began within his body. We see in Genesis again, to refresh your mind, the Lord formed the man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and man became a living soul. I often go back and look at my life and my testimony and just passing the anniversaries I've already stated of 25 years and I look back that 25 years is when this life, this soul, salvation came to me. And there was a breath of life whenever there was an infilling of the Holy Ghost. And God began to speak in me and began to give me a life worth living instead of being on the ropes of sin and and living in the gutters of life. Even though I grew up in a preacher's home and, and a pastor's home and had many good examples around me, I still struggled with what to do with my life. Been in countless services and camp meetings and and been in powerful moves of God and seen miracles and signs and wonders happen in my life. But I still struggled with what I was going to give back to the kingdom. I can admonish you tonight that God has a request for you, it's not just mere attendance. But you have to depend upon God, the giver of life, to give you a purpose, a reason. Because as soon as Adam was given life, God says, I've got a garden you must take care of. I've got animals that you have to name. I'm telling you, saints of God, just because he filled you with the Holy Ghost, he's got people he needs you to witness to. There's a lost and dying world around us in this utopia of freedom and renewing of the Holy Ghost we call church. There is something outside those doors that's waiting on us and dependent upon us. The God, the giver of life, is wanting us to share this gift with others. And so our origin is from God. And what He wants in return is for His creation to use that gift of breath to worship Him. We have all been given this opportunity and we've probably breathed today thousands of times and the breaths that we take and the heartbeats that are racing within our chest being supplied the precious gift of oxygen. But what happens is God has given us something and he wants something back. It's not free. It's something that has to cost you. We find the writer of the 95th Psalm shares the declaration of worship from the perspective of creation. It acknowledges the greatness of God and his role in creating the world in which we live. In Psalms 95, chapter, verse 1 through 6 says, Oh come, let us sing unto the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Let us come into his presence with thanksgiving and make a joyful noise unto him with psalms. For the Lord is a great God and a great king above all gods in his hand are the deep places of the earth and the strength of his hill is also is his also the sea is his he made it and his hand formed the dry land oh come let us worship and bow down let us kneel before the lord our maker and just like brother johnson read in micah six and six this deserves a response from his creation it's not to stand there on the balcony of of Olive and say oh what a great god but he's wanting us to do something about it he's wanting us to recognize his greatness magnify him for his manifold hand that reaches down through our life picks us up out of a life of sin. I may be giving my all here tonight in preaching the word of God, but too many have coasted through an apostolic service and such as you are doing tonight. God wants a response that he speaks life into you and some of your testimonies have fallen to the ground. You're too ashamed to share it. You're too ashamed to witness about it. But God says, I'm willing to give you life again and life more abundantly. I'll give you something that rises up up within your chest uh, that you begin to bow down and worship God my little worship that I may walk into service and have my routine but God wants more from us tonight we can't be settling for the fact that this is my worship brother Goff take it or leave it you don't have to please me. I want to set that straight right now. I'm not here to garner your worship. I'm not here to garner your, your support and praise and magnify. I'm telling you, God is trying to compel somebody to get off the X where you've been standing. You marked your place, and he's wanting to give you a victory here tonight. You've been fighting the same old battle day after day, but sometimes you've got to get out of your comfort zone and worship your way into victory. We cannot limit our response to God in what is comfortable because if that's all we ever do in life, You're going to sit there and you're going to swell up like a tick that's on a dog's leg. And you're going to sit there and say, look at me, all the places I'm going. The problem is you're going everywhere that dog wants to take you. God wants to take you in the depths and the riches and the knowledge of Jesus Christ. We must lean on him, not our own understanding. We can't be satisfied with comfortable. You have to be able to be bold, stand up. Speak like the examples in the word of God. Job speaks the importance of the breath in Job 27. He states that the breath that only God can give is in his nostrils. He will not speak wickedness nor utter deceit. Job valued the breath of God that is given to him. And that is why we read and talk about him and his righteous living. In Job 27, in verse 3, it says, All the while, my breath is in me, and the Spirit of God is in my nostrils. My lips shall not speak wickedness, nor my tongue utter deceit. You see, Job had just had accusation after accusation. If anyone had an opportunity to take the breath that God had given him and to pervert it against God, it was Job. He was cast down by those around him. He was slayed by words and they use him to poke him and slaughter him and lay him before his family and say you don't even have salvation. You're not even serving God. But Job says my lips shall not speak wickedness nor will my tongue utter deceit. It's time for some of us in the saints of God to get a backbone and stop listening to that same voice that's telling you stop coming to church. It's worth it. Oh you can just stay at home and listen. You can be saved without a preacher in your life. You don't have to pray you don't have to read your word you don't have to be submitted to the house of God but that's all nothing but a lie from the pit of hell and Job says my lips will not utter wickedness some of us need to stand and say God I give you glory and honor and I magnify you with all of my heart And yes, yes, yes. Job answers the question that the friends had posed to him. And Job, we don't have the term there, but Job 13 and 7, and they asked him, will you speak wickedly for God and talk deceitfully for him? This is earlier on in those accusations. Job didn't listen. He says in verse 4 of chapter 27, my lips shall not speak wickedness. I could almost, if I could apply my imagination, Bishop, I can almost imagine the disdain that was upon Job. No, I have come too far. I have been through too much. You see all the things that's been removed from me. But as the Lord liveth, and the strength that he's willing to give me, my lips will not speak wickedness, nor my tongue utter deceit. Upon our lips must be a resolution, And as Bishop alluded to it, there's things that need to be said. Those that are around us that are speaking negativity in our life need to hear it whether they be spouse or family or friends or neighbor or just acquaintances, they need to know there's a declaration that you have made. I am committed to this walk with God. I'm not going to waver. I'm not going to faint. Whether you be the only person in your household and you have a house full of people saying, you don't need to ever go back to the house of God. It's a waste of time and they're just wanting your money. I'm here to tell you it's a lie from the pit of hell. You need to stand up just like Job did and say, I will not utter those wicked words. And my tongue will not utter deceit Devil get thee behind me in the name of Jesus Now it may seem seem weird Telling that to your family But sometimes you need to stand up for yourself And say you may not take me to the house of God But my heart is going to be there I will find a way to get to his presence That resolution needs to be made The devil needs to hear it from your own lips It can't be a text message that somebody else says. You need to be in the house of God, and you like it. Or you say, okay, yeah, I do. But the devil needs to say, I, needs to hear you say, I need to be in the house of God. He needs to know that there's determination in your heart. He needs to hear it from your lips. He needs to hear it from your heart. You speaking with compassion and saying, listen, this God I serve, there's nobody like him. This God has given me a testimony that nobody else can give me. He's touched me in ways, turned my life around, pulled me out of the mire of sin, and no one has been able to do that. Because you're breathing the breath that God gave you, it is reserved only to worship unto the king. What does the breath of life enable? It enables the body to function and for the heart to take life giving oxygen and push it through the body you see the heart is vital but unless there is oxygen in the blood there is no life to share to the rest of the body and god made air so vitally important and the quality of air that we breathe can also take life away i'm not sure if you've ever been in situations to where our natural atmospheric air has been tainted such a way that it's no longer safe for you to be around. If you've ever been evacuated, either from a city that you live in or from your job, being in a situation, but it's no fun when someone walks up and says, we got to go. We have a tank car that's on fire and it's got anhydrous ammonia in it. One breath will perforate your lungs with tiny pinholes that no amount of science can repair and you will drop dead in your tracks with one breath. Fear strikes your heart. And you begin to run, get in the car. Which way is the wind blowing? That's why you look at railroads, they have wind socks everywhere. Because you look at the wind and you go the opposite direction. It's going that way, I'm going away from it. It's not coming towards me. Sometimes we overlook the visual cues in our life, saints. God has a man walk to the pulpit and deliver thus saith the Lord. And we say, oh, it looks good. Look at the rain. Oh, this is a great day. All the while, the devil's trying to spew filth into your face, trying to get you to take those deep breaths. Oh, look how free you are. Once you win against the word of God, and oh, the pastor says this, but you don't have to do that. He's spewing vile mess into your lungs. And you're saying, I just don't feel the same anymore. There's a reason why. You're trying to acclimate to an environment that's not of God. And poisons in the air can take this precious gift and turn it into a curse. And it's those decisions in life that put us in environments that change the quality of air around us. I understand that some some issues are out of your control. But saints of God, there is a God that can change any situation. Just as Pastor talked about this morning, those three Hebrew boys, when they went into that fiery furnace, they didn't die of smoke inhalation. They didn't even smell like smoke. They wouldn't even know what was going on. they say we're in the fire, but we're not even being burned. Our hair is not even being singed. Our clothes are perfect and... What's going on? And then they have company, as Bishop talked about. But it's because they had created an environment of worship that says, no matter what the devil may bring my way, I have a place of purity. I have a refuge. We can read in Scripture, in Psalms chapter 37 and verse 23, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delighteth in his way. Albert Barnes talks about this. And he said the word steps mean his course of life. The way in which he goes. The general idea is that the subject is the object, or he is the object of divine favor. is under the care of God. We have to decide within ourselves what's important in our life and what is not. We can read countless scriptures talking about the path. That God has laid out before us. We can read in Job talking about the path of life. I believe it's in Job chapter 6, talking about where Job makes the declaration. I could be wrong, but I'll try to get there in the general sense of Job makes the declaration that I will hold fast to the path that God has laid before me. When you look at some of that, and we are in our traditions, we have our shoes, our nice shoes, and We have our clothes upon us. But there was a point in time that people would walk around barefooted and their feet would become more of an instrument. Now, this is not in any way trying to reference anything of Darwinism. We're not all descendants of monkeys. But in our nature, there were some people that were very far back. They referenced them, and some Bible theologians talk about When Job was talking about, I held fast to the path that God had laid before me, he talked about where people would walk and they would see something they needed to pick up. Instead of us reaching down and grabbing it, they would just grab it with their foot and move it or pick it up or toss it. I remembered of a man, I was talking to my dad today, there was a brother that I ran into when my uh, dad took us to a church we were just visiting on an off night. Another church just wanted to go to the house of God who walked in there was a man that was sitting in front of us and we heard him clapping his hands and worshiping God and he turned around and looked at us and recognized my father. You see, he had went to church with my father when they came to Kansas City back in the 1950s and and my dad had told a story to me to give me context to who this man was. He said this man was standing on the very top step of I believe it was maybe like 13 or 14 steps, concrete steps and he was born with no arms and as a young lad... He was standing there at the very top and he stumbled and fell all the way down those flights of stairs and it was heard and and we had heard that story. Well, we just so happened to walk into another one God apostolic church on an off night. That man was sitting there, still had no arms, but it was interesting. He was still able to worship God because he said, listen, I may not have arms, but God has allowed me to adapt my life to where... He could clap his feet just like anybody else clapping their hands and it would sound like anyone else. He can drive a car, open doors, and if you didn't have, weren't prepared, he'd walk up and he would shake your hand with his foot. And next thing you know, you got a man's foot in your hand. A little awkward, but you just went with it. He was sincere. But we found it very interesting, and I'd heard this story, and I now had a better understanding. It's like, you know what? We can adapt. But when Job was talking about holding to that path that God had laid before him. The theologians talk about and reference some of those people from the Orient that would be able to adapt. And he said that possibly it's referencing that Job would hold so fast that his foot would follow the path of God so it wouldn't deviate, that his feet would grip it as he walked, saying, I'm not going to challenge myself to step over to this side or that side. But there's a path that's been laid out before me and I have trust and confidence in God my creator that I will walk in confidence knowing that this is the way before me. You see, there is no other option but to follow his path to have peace. We can decide our own ways. And when we decide that our thoughts are more important than his thoughts, Thus, we are removing ourselves from the environment of growth and purity and placing ourselves in the incubator of sin. The expectation from God is that we take this gift of breath and we use it to give Him glory. I'm almost done, but this is what I want to focus on us tonight. There is something else that happens with this gift of life and it enables our brains to think, reason, and make decisions and just as vital as the first breath of life is for the newborn baby they begin to measure brain waves and signs of it having cognitive thought and the ability to have motor skills and functions and that thinking is we are afforded in the gift of life breath gives us that gift of life and when a person is noted to be thoughtless They are in a vegetative state. Please don't confuse this with the state of mind we find in many teenagers today. And it's very similar, except we have hope. And there are people that can recover from a former state of mind, Brother Kaiser. Amen. There is hope. Amen. I begin to wonder some days when this is going to end, but I fear it is just the beginning. Amen. Lord bless him. Hallelujah. But we see that life gives us the ability to think. And it is with every breath that we take. And God has created a nature for us to make decisions in our own mind and place what is important within our own heart. And when we breathe in, it turns on and supplies that oxygen for that thought process to keep going. And it's sad to say that so many people breathe in breaths and they do evil. They run their mouth. They decide instead of lifting up God, it's run down someone around them. That's people in church and out of church. You'll find that everywhere. You're not special if you're here tonight and you're guilty. You're just like everybody else we work with or live around. But God gave us a precious gift that we can be afforded this breathe in and say, Jesus, I love you. That's a gift. God of heaven, I praise you for this day that you have given me. And I'm here to magnify you with all in my heart and magnify you in your greatness. And as Bishop has so gratefully taught me and done such an awesome job and taught us in this church We start out our prayer with gratitude. We tell him how thankful we are. We're telling him how much we appreciate this breath of life. Before I even get to one of my problems, before I even get to your problems that I put before my problems, before I get to anything else, I just want to say, Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus for one more time that I can stand and lift my hands in your throne room as I place myself before the Almighty God, as I get down upon my knees and bury my face in a handkerchief and say, God, thank you. That is the gift of life that he has given me. And how dare I walk through life without giving him the glory and the honor that he so deserves. It's thank you, God. And just as vital as that breath is for the baby, it's the same for you. For when you get up in the morning, He's waiting to see what you do. If it's, what do my emails say? Mm. If it's, oh, what is the news article? What happened in my life that I cannot influence? Mm. What is it that my work is demanding of me before I can even get there? Mm. What is it of the text message that somebody sent me in the middle of the night? Mm. If it's not, I thank you, Jesus, for another day. You have blessed me. The day that you blessed me with yesterday, you have proven yourself to be faithful and arise this day once again to say thank you, Jesus, for another day. And I, I, I'm not trying to brag on myself. It's just something I do before I leave this house in prayer. I say, God, I thank you for this day. But don't remove me from your presence. I want to walk in this victory. I started my day like this for a reason. There's a voice crying out in this wilderness wanting somebody to obey the voice of God to walk up and say, God, I thank you for what you've done, but I've got to touch somebody. I've got to share this word with somebody. I've got to tell somebody else around me how good he is. Oh my. You have to thank God every day. It's a gift for you to breathe in. Brother Weems, when you were so sick, and I would hear you take those breaths, and everyone was calculated and measured, and you would begin to pray under the anointing of the Holy Ghost and begin to touch Him. I knew every one of those. They cost you. Because that meant that you maybe had to sit down just so you could pray, just because your body was needing that life-giving oxygen to keep you going and keep your mobility. But you're willing to come to the house of God and say, God, I thank you. Fill this church with revival. That's what the response God is wanting back. It's not I. It's not me. God, look at my problems. But it's God, I thank you for the gift of life. Lest you forget. That God gave you the breath of life. He wants something in return. That means that you must consider the Creator before you decide what you want in life. And living for God and worshiping Him is your number one priority. And there are benefits of letting that breath that God gives dictate your steps. Because in Psalms 37 and 23, the steps of a good man Are ordered by the Lord, and He delighteth in His way. Job, in his questioning, in Job twenty-three, in verse eleven, he's saying, "Where is God?" He's wanting to know where He's at. Job is still faithful in all of this. He says, "My foot hath held His steps; His way have I kept, and not declined." Neither have I gone back from the commandment of his lips. The breath that he has given me, Job's saying, I'm not walking away from it. And I have esteemed the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. He's sitting there saying, listen, nothing else matters. I must worship him. In his deepest, darkest trial... He's saying, if I could only find myself in the presence of the Almighty God, everything will be all right. You see, once we take that breath in, we are empowered by our Creator to decide whether we, what we do with the gift of life. The first step is involuntary, God given. It's that breath that we take in. But everything that happens after that is on us. I love you, Jesus, more than anything, more than what life can bring. I've just come to tell you I love you, Jesus. How long has it been since he's heard those words? Be more than just words as they rolled from the depths of your hearts as he rolled from the depths and appreciation and gratitude, as it ushered you into his presence, and you say, God, I thank you. I thank you for another time. I thank you for this opportunity. God, I thank you for your touch on my life. I thank you for looking at my soul I thank you for convicting me. I thank you for speaking in my life. How long has he been, has it been since he's heard you utter those words of gratitude and thankfulness and it elicits a worship unto him in gratitude and saying, God, you do everything in my life. There's nothing, there is nothing that I can do on my own. Doesn't stop at lifting our voices unto Him. There must be a surrender as we stand today. Musicians come. There must be a surrender of thought, purpose, intent, worldly desire. And when we take that breath, the outcome is a surrender of our will and the infilling of the Holy Ghost and with every scene in our life has closed we must have the thread of reverence unto God the giver of life that's through every step we take you see oh my in 2nd Corinthians chapter 6 verse 17 wherefore come out from among them and be ye separate saith the Lord Touch not the unclean thing and I will receive you and will be a father unto you and ye shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. If you don't understand who's calling you to be a son or a daughter, the Lord Almighty in verse 18 is only mentioned 10 times. This is one of them. The rest of them are mentioned in Revelation. All nine of the remaining references for Almighty are referenced in uh, the book of Revelation. And it's saying that he has full control over everything. But it's also referenced in the same verse of Scripture that says, I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. He is the Lord Almighty, the first and the last, which is and which is to come. That's the one who's trying to tell you, if you'll just be thankful, if you'll just lean upon the breath that I've given you, you have access as sons and daughters to that great and mighty one, the Lord Almighty. And thanksgiving and praise must be upon our hearts and be expressed through the breath that he gave us. And the very last thing I want to say is Psalms 150, verse 1 through 6. Praise ye the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in the firmament of his power. Praise him for his mighty acts. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. Praise him for the sound of the trumpet. Praise him with the psaltery and harp. Praise him with the timbrel and dance. Praise him with string instruments and organs. Praise him with the loud cymbals. Praise him upon the high sounding cymbals. And this is where there is no excuse for anyone here today, whether they be in this church, listening online, or sitting on a bar stool, or sitting in a sports game, or sitting there in the house, lying there in a bed of sin. Let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. Praise ye the Lord. You see, there is no excuse from the Creator He gave us breath. He gave us this opportunity and he has called upon each and every one of us whether it be through prayer whether it be through worship but there has to be a declaration inside of each and every one of us. God I won't leave this house tonight until I've worshipped you with all of my heart until I've given you all of the gratitude that is deep within me. That is our response that God is wanting from us tonight. He doesn't need you screaming your head off but what he needs from you is a heartfelt worship unto him that says God I thank you I thank you for what you've done for me I thank you for a testimony that's real I thank you for your love and mercy in my life can we lift our hands and talk to him I love you Jesus I love you Jesus I worship you God I magnify you Hallelujah. Can we come to the front? Can we put some action behind the Word of God? The challenge of the Word of God that's been put out before us. There is none that are exempt. There are no clauses. He doesn't say if you're going through a trial I'm afraid that Job would say you're dead wrong in that thought. He doesn't say if you're going through the deepest darkest valley of your life we read about it in Psalms. God said I created that valley. I created that mountain. It's upon us to be able to worship him with all of our heart. Let gratitude and thankfulness come from the depths of our heart and say God forgive me. Wash me God with gratitude I want to be thankful unto you let my worship and my praise be unto you master hallelujah hallelujah I love you Jesus I worship you God I worship you can we worship and magnify him hallelujah hallelujah God has given each and every one of us the breath tonight that fills our lungs to be able to lift it up and worship and magnify him. Oh, hallelujah, I worship you, Savior. I worship you, Savior, I worship you, Savior. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. God's looking at you tonight. You can't just placate through this. You can't just say I'll appease him. I'll just go through the motions and I'll just get Brother golf off my back. I don't even see who's praying. I don't even hear your voice only god needs to hear not me it's not my real response that i'm looking for but i want to worship him i want to give him all that i have before me i want to lift my voice unto him before i can even ask him for a need i want to worship him i want to magnify him i want to know he's right here beside me i feel like some saints need to press on beyond the flesh you can do better than this i can do better than this we can do better than this Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. I thank you, God, for the house that's full tonight. God, I thank you for the miracles that you're doing tonight. I thank you for your glory that you're gonna fill our hearts with tonight. God, I thank you for the revival that you're gonna fill this city. You're gonna consume our hearts. I thank you, God, for what you're doing in the marriages, in the families, in the homes. I thank you, Master, for what you're doing for me. Oh, glory, I worship you. Hallelujah, let your voice be lifted up. I'm not satisfied with my worship. I'm not satisfied with the way I've been. I'm not satisfied with the way this service went. I've got to touch him. I've got to magnify him, not for show to you, not to this world, but this old flesh needs to understand I'm going to crucify it. I'm going to lay it down. It's not going to control me. It's not going to settle, but I must worship the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Hallelujah. Let us worship Him tonight.